Hi, how's everyone doing? Hope everyone's well. Um, I felt like when Kelly was um, singing about Phyllis House, I felt like you know, the Lord is telling me that he wants me to pray over all of us today. And if you agree with this, he wants you to pray with me. Um, but it's about how, how we don't actually know that our bodies are his temple, that he dwells. He's in, indwelling us. And we know of it, but we don't know it in here, you know? We don't live it. And so I feel like he wants us, he wants me to pray that out today. And so if you will, please bow your heads and or whatever you want to do, get on your knees or just stand, whatever. So Father God, I love you. I, I cherish you. I, I thank you for all that you're doing. And Father, may you speak to us right now. I feel your presence, Lord. Please speak to our hearts right now, Father. Everyone out there, Father, online and here in the room, speak to them. Let them know that our bodies are your temple. Let them know, Father, that Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, is knocking at the hearts of our door, the door of our hearts, Father, and he wants in to your temple. So may we open them wide, all of our hearts wide, and welcome him with an embrace and a kiss on humble knees, whatever it takes, Father. I love you. I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. That hits me every once in a while where we don't actually know that God is indwelling in us, you know? So why am I standing for sickness? Why am I standing for um, things wrong with me, you know? I should be casting those things out because my body is his temple. Anyways, um, I was... I was Asked by Paul, and Paul and Chris, thank you so much for having me here. Um, I was asked by them if I could speak this, this weekend, and I said yes. And I didn't know at the time that I was going to come down with the stomach flu. And the stomach flu hit, we have five people in our house, our family. We have seven people. We have two people living in the basement. But we have five people in our house, and four of the five had the stomach flu. And we were, we were down. We were out. Um, it was awful. And I was, I couldn't do anything, you know? And I'm thinking, okay, I still got to write this message. And I felt like what God wanted me to write on was Jesus being tempted. And I'm like, God, that's such a hard subject because no one's ever talked about that. I have nothing to go off of. And a lot of people ne never really dive into that. So I'm like, you know, Lord, do something else. And he's like, nope, this is what you're going to speak on. And so I continued um, to get better. And then my wife, um, geez, was Thursday, I think. My wife on Thursday, she actually um, came down with um, an, a kidney infection, which the doctors didn't know at first, and they, they thought it was like an autoimmune disease, and they thought um, they didn't remove her appendix, and then they thought some other stuff, and then it came back as like a massive kidney infection. And she actually got discharged, and she got home. Um, she was on major an um, antibiotics, and as well as like um, the, the pain medicines were just crazy. She only can take a quarter of a pill, um, because she's like, I just feel really weird. All that's going on. And then as I start to write the, my message, I could not focus. My mind was like, I had thoughts coming in. Things were distracting me. I could not focus on the message. Now, what do I call that? What would you call that? That's the enemy, right? The enemy. He's trying to distract me from the calling. And he's doing all this stuff to get me off my path. 
And so I was just like, you know what, Lord, I have to focus and focus and focus on this message because I feel like it's really important. And the more I tried to focus on this message, the more distractions came in, the more problems came to my life. So I would appreciate you online and all of you in here, if you guys just pray for me real quick, that I'm able to remain focused during this message. Is there any way I can move this? I feel like I'm going to step on this. All right, so the message is entitled, It is Written, and there's a reason for this. It's how Jesus, you know, 80 times, if you look in the Bible, you'll find it is written about 80 times. It is written in NSV. In ESV, it's like 76 or something like that. I just looked it up. That's the reason I know. Um, and it's amazing. I would always think that is the Old Testament where a lot of times they would say, well, this is written because they did a really, really great job of memorization of word. And so they say, well, it's written. And Jesus never said, well, this is the location. He never said, well, look at Matthew 3, 5. You know, he just said it's written because man actually put in the numbers. But it's how, actually how he responded to Satan. He was being tempted by Satan, and he actually responded every time, not with, with this amazing backflips and, you know, and shouts of hallelujah and stuff. No, it's just scripture, Right? And so I thought about that, and it's like, okay, how does God want us to battle? Because we're all going through battles. And whether we, we know it or not, we should look at Jesus as our example. And so as I t- continue to look at this example, I kind of looked at, you know, if I'm a father. You know, and Chris is up here, and he's just talking about his being a fatherhood. And when I showed up this, this evening, there's a young man here, and I have not seen this guy in like seven years. I'm not going to say his name because it's online. He doesn't know how much he blessed me just being here. I didn't know he was just showing up just to say hi to me and tell me that, hey, thanks for encouraging him. I had no idea. He was just sitting there, standing there against the wall by himself, and he's like, hey, you know, I just want to thank you for, you know, encouraging me. I'm like, I don't even remember that, dude. He's like, well, I do. And sometimes we don't realize the impact that we can have on someone, how we can actually change someone's life. And he told me how that moment actually changed his life, and he's gone on, he's going on to the Navy to be, um, I don't even know, <laughs> it's something big, it's amazing, it's in physics, um, but before that, he was never considered the academic, and just these words of encouragement, now, do I think those words are for me? They were through me, but if I'm going to actually encourage someone, I can't do anything without Christ, right? And so if this young man was actually encouraged to the point of changing his life, it had to be God, not me, right? So as I say again, open your hearts. Understand that he's indwelling us. This is his house. Treat it with respect. And like any good parent, we, you grow your kids, Right? You grow your kids. And so there's sometimes when you think about how do, I, how do I actually get them to ride a bike by themselves? Well, when you first start off, or how did your daughter hit a volleyball the first time over the net? Right? You start her underhand, right? build her confidence, and then we're going to go overhand. Right? I, used to be, I used to coach. Now, when I'm looking at my kids, like how they're going to ride a bike, it's first put on the, you know, the safety little what do they call those things? 
Were they, were they, the, the English call them something else. Anyways, um, training wheels. They have these training wheels on them, and you're holding them up. And then they actually get off those, or you're not holding them up anymore, and they're actually rotting by themselves with the training wheels, right? So slowly they're growing. Now, after a time, you take off the training wheels, and this is the moment, right? You want them to ride on their own. If they don't ride on their own, they fall over, what's going to happen? They're going to cry. They're going to whine. Right? They're going to complain. You let go. Why'd you let go? You know, you're awful dad. But then you pick them back up, get on the bike, put band-aids on their boo-boos, and then you push them again, and then you let go of them again to, for them to ride. And eventually, they start riding by themselves. Right? I want us to keep that in mind as we think about how God wants us to actually respond to these temptations that the devil throws in our, in our face. Because when, when we first start, I believe he's there with us. And he's, he's willing to fight for us. He's willing to do those things. But at some time, we have to be willing to step on ourselves, Because Jesus gave us all of what? All authority has been given to him. And he gave us what? All authority here on earth, right? He said, yeah, I give you this authority, right? The tread on the enemy, right? The step on the head of the serpent. I give you that authority. And we forget just like, you know, I forget, I'm riding a bike, I'm going to follow because my dad let go. Nope, he's like, I gave you that authority, now act it out. So the first slide is not the one that's up, it's actually Ephesians 6, 17. And this is, this is about the armor of God. And when we, are, we, are, we know we're all supposed to wear the armor of God. But when we, when we look at the armor of God, have you ever thought about, what does it mean to put on the armor of God? Does it mean that I'm, I'm supposed to... I, I, no joke, I used to, I'm Polish, but I used to get up in the morning. You can laugh at me, but I used to get up in the morning and just think, okay, I'm going to put on the helmet of salvation. I'm going to put on the breastplate of righteousness. I'm going to put on the sword of the truth of the spirit. I'm going to put on the, the, the shot. I'm going to put on, shot on the, the gospel of truth, and I'm going to put on the belt of truth. I, I'm going to go through all those motions. And then I walk out of my house, and someone would come up to me and ask me something that I did, and I would lie. <laughs> right? I would lie. Now, then I would start to doubt my salvation. Did I, am I putting any of that on? No. So what I believe God is saying is that he wants us to actually act it out. So if you read it, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Right? Take the helmet of salvation. Know that you are saved. Where's the helmet? Well, the helmet goes on your head, right? It's about knowledge. I know that I am saved. I know I am saved. I am his son. You can't mess with my identity. But every time Satan attacks, what's the one thing he, he always attacks with? Identity. It's always identity. Coupled with something else. Usually coupled with something else. Right? But he goes after your identity. Because if he gets you to doubt that, he's got you. Right? Now, Satan's trying to attack my identity, right? He tried to attack my identity a couple years ago, and I got really low, right? And I'm going to thank God right now for Dr. Hector. <laughs> She's amazing. And after just one time with her, I was like, can anyone have this much hope? She said, yeah, because now you have it. You didn't have hope before. I, was, I forgot my helmet. I'm his. I don't belong to anyone else. Is this sinking in? Yeah. All right. The other thing is the, is the sword of the Spirit. What is the sword of the Spirit? Yes, it's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. Now, 
how do we use, if you look at all, all of our armor, you have one weapon, right? One offensive weapon, and that is the, the sword, right? So how are you supposed to use it? I looked at that and said, okay, Lord, how am I supposed to use this? He said, why don't you look at my son? How did Jesus use the sword? We know he was always in prayer. He was always serving. He was always loving on people. He was doing all those things that God asked him to do. But we have to look at how he was tempted to understand how we should respond to Satan. Because when he was tempted, he used the sword. And that's all he used. Okay? So, let's go to the first, second slide, sorry. Jim Matthews, I asked him to read chapter 4, verses 2 through 3. So, Jim Matthews, if you would please, would you come up here and read chapter 4, verses 2 through 3? I chose him because he has an amazing voice. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. All right, so we see, first off, he attacked his identity, right? If you are the son of God, then, right? So he knows the answer is he is the son of God. He, Satan already knows, right? Why? Because Jesus said even the demons, even what? They hear and they tremble, right? They tremble at, the, at his name. So when he came around, they were in fear. Satan knew that Jesus is the son of God. But he said, if you are, then do this, Right? Make these stones into bread. Just do it. Now, is there anywhere in Scripture that we can think of where making, you know, Jesus made this into bread, it would say it's a sin? No. No. So why would it be a sin in this case? Because he'd be falling after Satan. He would deny his identity as the son of God, and he would start falling after Satan. I'm going to do what you say, because you're asking me to do this. I'm going to do that instead of doing what my father asked me to do. And my father asked me to remain on this path. And so he didn't do it. Am I the only one that's amazed by that? Because I've been like, stones into bread, I'll make a whole banquet, right? I'll make a, a car show up. We wouldn't even have cars yet, but I'm going to make one show up. I'll make a plane show up. But he didn't do that. He said, no, I'm going to stay steadfast with my father because he knew his father's will. It's important for us to know his will. So you see, he took out the, the, the sword, and he started to respond to Satan, but he used scripture, right? Now, he was trying to get him to deny himself, right? If you are the son of God, just go off this path, you know, just deny God and do, do this own thing and become my servant. And Jesus is like, no, no, I don't think so. Now, what did Jesus' response Next slide is Jesus' response. You guys remember what that was? It is written. It is written, right? So he comes to him, he says, well, if you are the son of God, then command these stones. Well, he says, I'm not even going to give you any extra time. If it is written, it is written, and this is what it's written. Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Right? Amen. Now, what's he saying? He's saying, I'm not going to follow you. 
I'm not going to do what you're asking. I'm going to follow my father. My father's asking me to do his will, not your will. You're trying to get me to follow you. I'm not going to follow you. I can't say that enough. I feel like it's so important for everyone to know we cannot follow his will. There's times I get tempted and God and, and Satan comes in and he asks me a question and I start to respond to that jerk. Right? And God doesn't want me to respond to him. I should just respond in like Jesus did, like kind, right? It is written, Satan, that I will follow God. I will, everything that proceeds out of his mouth, I'm going to follow. All of his commands, I'm going to follow. Did it make sense? All right, now Mr. Matthews is going to come up here and he's going to read Matthew 4, chapter, or chapter 4, verses 5 and 6 now. Then the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Sounds easy, right? Now what he's trying to do is, he's saying, Well, you just responded to me with a scripture. I'm going to give you some scripture, Right? Psalm, you guys know what he's, he's quoting? He's quoting Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12. He's saying, if, this is what it reads, right? God's going to give charge of the angels of you, concerning you. But he leaves something out. He says, God's going to charge the angels. They're gonna, he's going to give them charge over you, and then they're going to bear you up in their hands and make sure that you don't strike your foot even on a stone. But he leaves something out. Why would he leave something out? I'm not going to go there yet. What I love is how Jesus responded. Because Jesus didn't even like bring up the fact that you left out the important part. This is from, from Deuteronomy 6.16, by the way. But he didn't actually respond to him. He knew what God wanted wanted him to say, and so he said that, the very thing that he's in, what I'm going to tell you right now. I'm amazed how, how Jesus actually responds to Satan. And it's something for us to learn how Jesus responds, how we should respond. And so, let's go on. Oh, I forgot to say that. And number two, will Jesus glorify himself? Right? Because when he's saying, just throw yourself from here, it's written in Isaiah, or um, uh, um, Micah, Micah 3, that if, when, when Jesus comes, when the Messiah comes, He's going to come down descending out of heaven. And so he's on the, t- the top of the tabernacle. He said, hey, all this temple, just throw yourself because you're going to make this glorious entrance, right? And she's like, huh, I could. And yes, it would be glorious, but I have, a, I have a job to do. And my time has not come. I could throw myself from here. And then the angels would actually manifest and they'd, they'd keep me from striking my toe. Yes. And everyone would be like, oh, it's the Messiah. He's here. But that time has not happened yet. So even though he could do exactly what Satan is telling him to do, again, he says, no, I'm going to follow the God. I'm going to follow my father, not, not, not you, Satan. And so if we read, if we read um, Psalm 91, if you can pull it up, Psalm 91, if we read it in its entirety, he says, I will give the angels charge over you. And then what's next? Sorry? 
to guard you in all your ways. Why would Satan leave that out? Why would Satan leave, it, leave that out? It's one of the most important things of this whole, this whole, um, this whole verse right here. It's because if he, if he left it out and Jesus didn't respond the way he does, he would be following after him. Because Satan is trying to get Jesus to follow him. And he says, if I follow you in anything you do, I'm not following my father. And they will only protect me if I'm doing all of his will. If I maintain his will, they will protect me. Make sense? You guys picking that up? Are you guys sure? Do you need me to explain it? You sure? Now, the way he, um, Jesus responds, you guys want to read Jesus' response? It is written, right? It is written. It is written. So hopefully you guys are picking up on what we should do and the next time we are tempted, next time we are approached, the next time we are trying to, um, I hate to say it, but even sin. What is, it, what is written? I don't think we hold God's word to the level it needs to be held. God's word is, is so pronounced. It's, um, at, at this time, people actually would memorize the first five books of the Bible. Not chapters, books. They knew the importance of God's word. Jew, um, Jewish people would actually, if the word hits the ground, you know what they do? So if I have a, if I have a scripture, right, and I write, it on, I write, I write a scripture on a, on a piece of paper, and it hits the ground, you know what I'm supposed to do? I pick it back up, I kiss it, and I hold it back up to God. What? That is such respect. Because they know his power. His power, the word is living. It's not dead. And how do I act sometimes? Like it's, it's dead. I don't hold on to it. I don't do the Luke you know, 18 parable. I won't be persistent. You know, my, my prayers may change day after day after day. I say, Lord, why are you not you know, answering my prayers? He's like, well, why don't you pray for something? Well, I've been praying for all these things. Well, which one do you want? I don't know. Let me pray for all of them again. He's like, well, find out which one you really want. And then persistently pray it to me. Now, if you've ever been in a, a grocery store and you're going down the hallway and you hear, like, die away and you hear some kid like, Mom, can I please have this? A candy bar or something. And she's like, No. But mom, please, I, I really want it. You know, I'll do it. Mom, mom, please. Persistence. <laughs> I'm not asking you to throw a temper tantrum in front of God. But I'm saying being persistent in your prayers. Don't, don't jump from one to the other to the other. I've learned this the hard way. Right? But it's paid off, I'm telling you. Paid off. So, again, how do you respond? On the other hand, it is written, you shall not put, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Deuteronomy 6, 16. Why would he say that? Why does he put him to the test? You know, there's so many times when people say, 
Well, I thought I can, I, I, I can dance with snakes and not get bitten, you know, not get hurt. I can drink poison and not die, right? But what are they doing? They're putting the Lord their God to the test. Now, I believe in my heart that if I w- was walking or I was playing with, or I was cleaning up some, um, some garbage and a snake like Paul lashed onto my arm, I will not die. But I'm not going to go there. I'm going to show you something, guys. You know, there's only one place in Scripture where God says, put me to the test. You know what it has to do with? Finances. Finances. Now, I put him to the test of this, and actually, Jim Matthews was in, in the room with me, and I said, you know, would you pray with me? And we started praying, asking God, you know, God, I just upped my tithe, right? I just, I have like a, a monthly tithe that I give to the church. I just upped it. I said, God, I'm putting you to the test. I, I needed some work done in my car, too. Brakes, of all things, right? Not, not something you, you want to just forget about. But I was like, Lord, I'm putting you to the test here. So I put him to the test. And Jim, do you remember what happened after we said amen? The phone ring, my phone ring. It was Christian Brothers Automotive. And they said, hey, is this Kurt? And I said, yeah, what's going on? They said, we, we have your car, or we had your car here, and I, we were just talking with the manager, Steve, and we actually want to actually, you know, cover the entire cost of your, your brakes and, and rotors and, and, and the new battery and there's something. It was like $600 and something dollars. And I'm like, Lord, I need to test you more often with this finance stuff. But it's something that we, we don't want to because we hold on tight to it, right? It's like, it's like so, so special to us. It's like my precious, right? 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 I don't, wanna, I don't want anyone to take my money. I don't want to, I'm not going to give anything extra. I, I need this. But then God says, put me to the test here and I'll show you. See if I will not open up the windows, the, the, the storehouses of heaven. I did not up my tithe very much, just so you know. <laughs> and yet he blessed me that way. Um, next one. Three. This is our last one, guys. About time for me to close, too. So, Jim Matthews, would you please read chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. All right. So now Satan says, I'm going to show you all this if you worship me. And what is, what is, what is, how does Jesus respond? Not with his words. Right? Does Jesus get down on his knees and worship him? Because what he's tempting with was, hey, it's already been written, right? It's already been written that you're going to actually inherit all the kingdoms. You're going to be the, you're going to, you're going to rule all this land. So why don't you just take the easy road? You won't have to go to the cross. I'll just give it to you. I'll just give it to you right now. And how many of us want the easiest way? Right? Yeah, I'll take the easy way. You know, the road less travel, I don't know. But Jesus said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to follow you, Satan. It's something that I think we need to actually understand is just that these, those words of, I'm not going to follow you, Satan. I'm not going to follow you, Satan. It is written. It is written. And how does Jesus respond? It is written, 
you shall worship the Lord your God, only him. Right? Only him. He doesn't respond like, you know what, um, you know, I, I, there's the, my time's not coming yet. He doesn't give him an ounce more of energy. He says, I'm going to cut you off right there. You know what else he says? Go. Go, Satan. And what does he do? We know in the, the verse of all of that he left. It says that, that Satan leaves. And all he said was go. Now, if we go back to scripture, he says, if you submit to me, the Lord, not me, <laughs> the Lord, if you submit to God, right, and resist the devil, then he'll flee from me. Jesus first proved that he was submitted, right? I'm not going to follow you in anything you do. Now go. And he went, right? Folks, that's all we have to do. The training wheels are coming off. It's time for us to start riding our bikes on our own. We can, we can ask God for help. There's nothing wrong with that. But as Jesus was prepared, we need to stay prepared. Be prayer. Prayer is so vital. Worship. Am I talking about singing voice? You have a lovely voice, amazing voice. I'm not talking about that kind of worship. I'm talking about 12.1, right? Romans 12.1. It says, worship me in spirit and truth. This is your true worship. Worship me, him, God, in spirit and in truth. Give your bodies over as a living sacrifice. Don't live for yourself. Live for him. Now, I had it. I used to worship money. I'm going to say it right now. Don't, don't shoot me. But I used to worship money. I was a financial advisor, and I, I wanted to just make money, money, money. That's what I wanted. All, all, all I wanted was money. That's what I really cared about. I didn't bow to it, like, physically, but spiritually I was bowing to it. I would go to church on Sunday, but I, did I want to be there? I didn't want to be there. I didn't mind being there. I, everyone was very cordial. Everyone was very nice. Everyone was very happy. I was already very nice. But Sunday, football season, Jeez, this pastor is going on. I didn't want to be there. I had I had TiVo. <laughs> I could record the game. But that was more important. Next slide, please. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of, the God, of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the vision of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's what, God, that's what Jesus used. He used the word. But what, 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 how do we respond sometimes? Oh, you just, need to, you just need to deny that. You need to claim it. I'm not saying that's wrong. But I'm saying it's not what Jesus did. Jesus didn't say, well, I claim that I'm going to be ruler. He didn't say, well, I, I claim that one day I'm going to make a banquet for everyone. He didn't say that. He just used his word against him. He said, no, it is written. That's what he's asked us to do. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's living. It's active. It will tear apart anything that um, Satan's trying to do against you. All right, so our, for our going, we're going to look at the battle plan. And I'm going to pull this up because 
That's really hard to read. All right, we need to hear, we need to read the word. It builds faith, right? That's according to Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God or of Christ. Two, we need to know the word, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Now, how does, how does, what does that mean? I'm trying to tell you, we need to build a, um, a relationship with him, an intimate relationship with Jesus. Okay? Make sense? Last one. We need to apply the word. James 1, 22. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. You know, I, I, I'm in that boat too. I was in that boat before. Well, I read this. But if I listen to that voice of God, Holy Spirit, he's like, well, why aren't you doing that? Just because I know something's in Scripture doesn't mean that's who I am. Satan knows Scripture. It's about living it. It's about becoming it. You know, when I started this, I knew this was, in, it was important. I hope that you're able to take away from this more than I, I was able to put into it. I say that because I know that the battle is, is tough. Everyone has a battle, and it, everyone is. God only gives you what you can, you can actually withstand, right? Now, for me, it might be, it might be something bigger. It might be something less. I'm not to judge you. You're not to judge me. God knows what he's doing. We don't. We're supposed to help, help one another, encourage, build them up, help them on the, on the track. But what I see out there is a lot of talk from pulpits. This church isn't doing it right. This church, this, 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 this small chief, you know, this church, all I'm talking about the big C. Big C church is not doing it. You know, we are the only ones. I, I used to be in that boat. But I can tell you that now I'm in a place where I just want to say, God's in charge. And if he's put a pastor here and a pastor there and a pastor over there, and they're doing three separate things, but they're all in line with him, who am I to judge? And I feel like that's the attack that the enemy wants to do. He wants to divide the church. And, the, and, and God's saying, no, I, I, I made one church. And it's time for us to act like the church. So, Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for you. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your mercy, your kindness. Father, I ask that all around the world, Father, all around the nation, that you alone are held up high. That despite, that, you know, I'm not troubled, Father, by the election. I'm, even though uh, my candidate didn't win. I'm not troubled by that because I know you are in control and that you put people in authority. So if you put them there, there's a reason for it. You did in the Old Testament. You put, you gave authority to other nations to subdue Israel. So Israel's heart would turn back to you, Father. And I'm not saying that this is what's happening now here. But I'm saying that to Christians out there who are saying 
that this person is not supposed to be in office. I just say, remember God, and God establishes authority. Jesus told Pilate himself, you would not have any authority unless it was given to you from above. And he was, in char- he was, char- he was charging Jesus, and he actually put him on the cross. So, Father God, I look to you again, and I say, have your way. I trust in you and only in you to lead us, to guide us, to show us your way. Because you can do far more, according to your word, Father, than we can ever imagine or think. We love, we worship you. It's in your son's beautiful name, Jesus, the Christ, our Messiah, your son, we pray. Amen.